Hello, listeners. Welcome to the pod. It's uh, John and Jazz here. Our buddy David is missing today. He's a little bit busy, but John is here, and he's always got enough conspiracy theories to talk about. John, first of all, welcome. Hi there, Jazz. Yeah, the, when I heard uh, David couldn't make it, I I went and got my uh, tinfoil hat uh, out of the garage, and so I'm ready to roll. <laughs> so so we're going to be all over the shop today right because he's not here we're going to discuss all sorts of stuff <laughs> yeah, let's go dark <laughs> <laughs> uh, on a serious note john um i think the key discuss uh, other than property which will touch on some of the numbers towards the end one of the key things that we wanted to talk about today was what's the economy going to look like post the jab, basically, once uh, Sydney, New South, New South Wales, Victoria, and other states, uh, they hit, once they hit their numbers or their targets of seventy to eighty percent, whatever that is, uh, the question becomes: Is what what things look like after those numbers have been achieved? Is it going to be similar to what we saw before uh, before the Delta variant, or uh, is going to be bearish or bullish from the investments? perspective and uh, i know you have got some points and articles that you've gone through that you'd like to talk about absolutely well there, there's there was a, a peter switzer uh, article which talks about this mm-hmm. um and so he he um he goes through essentially what does the what does the world look like or, or mainly what does australia look like mm-hmm. post lockdowns post jab um, and using the US and Europe as, as templates for countries that are a little bit further down the, the path than us in terms of vaccination cover and, uh, and opening up. And I mean, the US has basically basically opened up. I mean, they're, they're debating whether or not, you know, masks should be mandatory and for school kids and all that sort of stuff. But basically, you know, interstate travel is back. They're, you know, um, I think... Uh, um, Greece had its biggest tourism year ever or something like that, you know, so th- things are back in the Northern Hemisphere. So um, Peter Switzer goes through uh, what he what he is looking for and he's sort of saying that um, boom times, the minute we open up, boom times. Um, in particular, he, he's talking about how uh, they're, they're not going to raise interest rates until 2024 um, mm-hmm. when they think that inflation will be in the 2 to 3% band. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they will reduce bond purchasing from five billion to four billion a week, mm-hmm. um, but but you know, and he's sort of quoting the RBA here, but they're expecting a, a booming economy over twenty twenty two. Then he quotes Comsec, RBA, a couple of other um, journalists, and says, you know, let the party begin. Mm-hmm. What was your take on that article, Jazz? So. Uh, obviously, RBA came out and issued a big statement this week with regards to the interest rates. There's there are no interest rate rise this month, uh, which was expected, right? Mm. Uh, and I think they more or less stated that the interest rates will be on hold for the near future. But what they are expecting is that once the... Uh, majority of the population is jabbed, pretty much what you said in the Switzer article, it mentions that, that the economy will be booming. The word that has been used in the Switzer article is specifically economy will be booming over the year 
2022, which means uh, the kind of growth that we have seen towards the start of this year, uh, we, we may hit numbers far better than what we saw this year kind of thing when before before the delta variant so that was one take and the second thing was obviously the bond purchases they have been extended from i think the existing bond purchase program was supposed to last up until end of november and now it has been extended all the way to february at that point they will decide whether it needs to be extended further or not so there's obviously more bond buying as well going on uh, but combine the three because uh, there's a path to reopening and the path to reopening is basically getting jabbed uh, and interest rates being low uh, if economy starts to open up all the restaurants and everything i think it's clearly going to be people will be out there uh, spending money big time to me feels like just tired of the lockdown, which means we could see a lot more transactions happen, happen or the velocity of money to really kick into gear to some extent. Yeah. If you get the vaccine, you can have your freedom back, which is my, <laughs> my German accent. Um, appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I should have practiced that one before. <laughs> yeah yeah i feel like the i feel like the if you get vaccinated we can all have our freedom back is like the, the greatest hostage situation of all time terrible mm. terrible but um but yeah I- interesting um the question for me is like what 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 wealth has been like you know we talk about keynesian economics keynesian economics is we add up all the spending and you go is it more than last year yes then mm. the, the economy's grown it's like well that's not really how kind of proper economics works that that's how government economics works you know you just add up the spending and if you've got a printing press you can always have more spending which is to, so so in a sense gdp doesn't doesn't really tell us all that much anymore and, and i don't want to go over that old ground but mm-hmm. um the analogy that the analogy that jim rickards jim rickards is the author of um currency wars and a couple of other books he, he's uh and he's a bit of a darling in australia uh, a gold guy and he he makes the analogy he made the analogy during the, the u.s lockdown and he would say that um that um you know if you lock the economy down just say i, I take my wife for dinner once a week mm-hmm. and the economy locks down for, for eight, eight weeks mm-hmm. um when the economy opens up again we might go back to our routine of having dinner out once once a week, or we might need to save a bit because of the you know we might have uh, lost some money and, and maybe it's once every two weeks. But what doesn't happen is we don't go out to dinner four times a week to make up for the two months where we didn't go out. Mm-hmm. That wealth is permanently lost. Mm-hmm. So so what I think we miss when we talk about like what happens during a lockdown is. You can't you can't get the you can't get the wealth back. You can't get the growth back. It's not like we're gonna we're gonna consume three or four times as much as we would normally consume um, to make up for all that lost consumption. So no, no, it's gone. It's gone. Mm-hmm. So what what I'm concerned about is that the way we measure the economy is that it doesn't take into account how prosperous we are. It just measures how big we are. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the expression I always use is that what we have with interest rates at zero and all that sort of stuff is we have inflation masquerading as, as growth. Mm-hmm. So in the real estate market, people are getting locked out because prices are going up. But everyone looking at this booming real estate market saying, oh, we're all getting wealthier. No, mm-hmm. we have inflation. Inflation is me- meaning fewer people can participate in the property market. It's mm-hmm. a bad thing, right? So we have inflation masquerading as economic growth. And I go back to Jim Rickard's thing where, like, all this wealth has been destroyed. We, we can't get it back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that there'll be – so here's what I, what I think. You know, the economy opens up again. There'll be an initial normalisation when things open up. So, you know, the, the restaurants, the Aportos, the all these guys, they, they reopen up and there's a little bit of a bounce. And then what we'll see, I think, is that what ha- how does an economy in this much debt grow? Debt's like, like saddlebags on the, on the horse. Mm-hmm. Saddlebags being my nickname in high school because of my uh, extra mm-hmm. spare tyre uh, around the waist. Um, so so um, can an economy in this much debt grow? You know, from your household, you know that the more debt you have, the less discretionary spending you have because you've got to service mm-hmm. the debt. That's the same as the economy. The economy has too much debt. You can have an initial pop, but then where does the growth come from? Because you, you, you're tapped out. Mm-hmm. I'm concerned um, that there's no growth after the initial pop. What we saw in the US this week was they had some jobless claims numbers, and there mm-hmm. were 310,000 new jobless claims. Mm-hmm. this week. So the unemployment numbers aren't improving anymore in the US. And you could say, oh, Delta variant, maybe. But but an economy with this much debt is going to struggle to grow. So I think that you, so just to bring it home, I think that we've got a lot of inflation and it's going to be difficult to see the growth from the from the inflation. And w- what we're probably going to do is confuse the two. Think, think that we're growing when we've just got inflation. Um, if there's too much debt, growth is going to be tough. Mm-hmm. after the reopening so yeah. so when you say the wealth that has been destroyed just for the listeners right is your main concern with that that the debt that the debt is your main concern that the debt that has grown uh, over the period of time is that the main concern when you say the wealth that has been destroyed uh so when i talk about the wealth that's been destroyed i guess i mean uh that the restaurants the businesses aren't coming back. They can't come back. They've either defaulted, they've gone into, into liquidation. And liquidation in an economic sense is, a, is, a, is wealth destruction. Mm-hmm. Um, so someone has to liquidate mm-hmm. that debt. So, yeah, it's, it's like when you, when you walk past and there's a Felice sign and the business has disappeared, that's, that's, real, that's real wealth destruction. Now, you could make an argument that wealth has been transferred to another party, like, you know, the retailer that doesn't exist is now that that consumption is just happening via Amazon. Exactly. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, so but, then, but then you've got more concentrated wealth rather than more dispersed wealth. Mm. So this is the one that is, in my opinion, a little bit hard to measure. Totally gather the point mm. that with the small businesses that are closing down, which uh, either with the changes during the COVID period have become uh, the dinosaurs of the day or uh, or in general that they cannot afford to keep themselves open anymore uh, due to whatever concerns. Um, it, where it becomes hard is the what percentage of that pie has been taken over by the 
other businesses like online space that has been booming. Mm-hmm. Um, not just Amazon, but a lot of the other like likes of big retailers, Harvey Norman, Officeworks, and all those. Uh, what percentage they have taken over, and the restaurant, online restaurant business, obviously as well, which is takeaways and all that stuff. So it becomes a little bit hard, but I guess uh, inflation is 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 one of the things over there, which irrespective of what the wealth has been destroyed, I think. Yeah, oh, can they they talk about uh, doesn't the article talk about two to three percent inflation in by twenty twenty four? When they start moving the interest rates up, it's like, wow, that, that, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if inflation is <laughs> going to be that low. And then it comes back to your point, like, well, what the inflation number is, is highly dependent on how you measure it. But uh, the annualized inflation rate right now is 5%. I don't know how we're getting 3 to 4% in, in three years' time. Um, so that goes back to the same thing. Is the way some of these stats being calculated are even worth talking anymore i agree and and we we often talk about we often talk about the economy in the context of the real estate market not just you and me it's the like we all talk about um interest rates and house prices but i mean the economy is more than just house prices mm. one of the reasons why there's going to be a disincentive to put interest rates up too too high mm. once things normalize in the next couple of years is that the, the most indebted entity in the, in the world is going to be the federal government, not in the world. In our world, it's going to be the federal government. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, you've got the, the RBA putting the cost of business up for the, for the federal government. Um, there are, and so I, I don't think that interest rates are going to stay low to protect the property market, although I, I suspect they'll, they'll, that'll be a consideration. I think it'll be that um, there's no tax rate high enough to cover the interest bill uh, on on the federal government's debt by 2024. I mean, I, I don't know what the percentage of debt to GDP is in Australia, but in the US, it's 130% at the moment. Mm-hmm. So let's say it's 170% by 2024. Mm-hmm. Like, what's 25 basis point increase in rates going to do to the federal government's budget? Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. a, that's, that's a very valid point. Even at 130%, how long are you going to keep the show running for? Yeah. Comes the question. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Look, j- just to take the tinfoil hat off for a moment, because I always, you know, or, you know, central banks, blah blah blah. Uh, I think I think that when the when the um, it's obviously better. The economy will be better when the lockdowns end, and we can all sort of participate in the economic, uh, in economic life again. So I'm I'm really happy about that, and and. W- It'll all, it'll it'll be better, and I'm really really happy about that. I think that the property markets will uh, kind of loosen up a bit. I think more properties will come on the market. I also think there'll be more buyers will start to return just because they don't need to register like what suburbs they're visiting and all these sorts of things. So so all that stuff is all that stuff is really really good, and I, and 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 just things like leisure and quality of life is going to come back. So looking forward to all that. I think that we're going to see an increase in. Um, GDP and uh, you know you, you know economic growth, and the question is what happens after that initial pop, when we're used to life returning to normal, kind of where the US is. What happens to things like unemployment and inflation then? And, and but overall, the from a from an investment investments perspective, whether you're talking about real estate or stock markets or uh, cryptos, whatever it is, commodities and all, right? So. Uh, 
the three things that really matter that conclude whether the and that was a great article I think by Roger, yeah, Roger or one of his teams, um, talking about that overall. If you just look at the path to recovery, which is the seventy to eighty percent jab rate, um, and the low interest rate environment, which is here to stay clearly for the next few years, and also the expansion of the or the extension of the monetary policy all the way to February next year. When you look at those three all together, I think it's pretty safe to conclude what we have been uh, talking over the last few months that it's still all these markets are, are going to be overall bullish. Yes, some sectors may suffer, but overall it's going to be pretty bullish. And especially if the if the uh, majority of the population gets jabbed. Uh, some of the businesses like airline businesses and all, you'll see their stock prices obviously shoot up a lot. Uh, yeah. Yep, yep. It, 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 it's, it's all good. We know interest rates can be low for a long time, so there's some predictability in that. Even yeah. though it, it's broadly inflationary, I think that it's, um, it's nice and predictable. So you can start to, you can at least, you know, you might, you, you can make, a fairly reliable four, three to four year plan in your life, whether that's starting a business perhaps, or at least buying a property, you know, you, you can get through the, the first three to four years with reasonable predictability. And I think that's, that's a positive thing. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I was, no, going go for to, it. I was going to say, what will be interesting is to see once this whole COVID drama is over, not drama, I mean, once things go back to normal, normal, not COVID normal, 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 yeah. whether Fed and other central banks will really be able to taper the bond buying program uh, and that the economy will be able to sustain on its own feet without any intervention from the central banks. That'll be, I think, the interesting thing to watch over the next few years. Uh, what do you reckon? Where, where, uh, do you have any thoughts on that going into the future? Yeah, I, I think it depends on. I think it depends on budget deficits to some degree. So you, what you've got the Fed doing is you've got them issuing debt um, through one door and then buying it through another door. So that so so the central banks used to be the lender of last resort, but now they're the lender and the buyer of last resort. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that. As long as you know Biden in the U.S. and you know the Europeans and Australians and, and you know China's in you know has a lot of debt. As as long as there are budget deficits, there's going to need to be a mechanism for the central bank to to monetize it, to pay for it, and so they'll be buying and lending their own debt. And I think um, the only yeah, if they if they're going to be running budget deficits, then they're going to be um, the, the monetary support is going to have to be there. And that's, that's, that's one of the reasons why interest rates, it's going to be very hard to, to put interest rates up again. It's not just that it's going to create a recession. It's because how do you tighten and still accommodate budget deficits at the same time? So, mm -hmm. um, you know, and That was the reason of asking partly that question. I mean, I, I can't foresee or uh, work out a way where Fed can actually stop and other central banks including yeah. can stop. Uh, 
Well, actually, just on inflation, while you were talking inflation, one of the things that I wanted to mention, I was reading an article, John, and this is only yesterday, where any new construction that is happening in US, specifically talking US market, uh, or renovations that they are doing, the the tradies are not even giving you the final price up until the actual construction or the renovation is complete. Purely because the uh, the goods prices, whether it's the timber or whatever, are moving up so fast that they're not able to keep up and they're not able to give a price tag before the work is actually complete. Yeah. So that tells you where the inflation is going at this point in time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... You know, we talked a couple of episodes ago about this idea of transitory inflation, and I, I was pretty, I was scoffing at at that concept. But there are examples of transitory inflation, um, inflation that's been temporary. You mentioned timber before. The lumber price, which went up about one hundred and fifty percent last year, actually crashed this year. That would be an example of transitory inflation. Mm-hmm. But. To, to your example about the tradies can't give quotes anymore, or they, they can't quote until until the, the bill's due. Um, even if even if a price goes up dramatically and then down dramatically, the instability of prices makes it impossible to quote. Mm-hmm. And 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 that that's another impact of lockdowns, uh, low interest rates, all that sort of stuff. It, it just creates so much volatility in the price set. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah. Another thing that is happening in parallel, which is an article that you shared with me, John, was the Zero Hedge article. So the heading of the article goes on Zero Hedge, China's layman movement approaching. Evergrande warns of a default risk and they are having issues paying their bills. What's your take, buddy? Yeah. So, so yeah, so Evergrande is, a, uh, is the biggest property, de- property group property uh, developer and property owner in China, and they've run out of money. Um, so this, the, the writing was on the wall. I only, I only found out about these guys like a week ago, to be honest. And the, the reason I found out about it a week ago is because uh, the big uh, US uh, ratings agencies downgraded them to, oh, I think, C-rated debt, which is basically junk. Mm. Um, so, so it's the largest real estate company in China uh, with over $300 billion in debt. And it's very quietly being dubbed as China's Lehman moment, which is which is interesting because the the if there's a quiet property crash happening in China, that would the, the wealth effect of that would cascade over the rest of the um, economy pretty quickly. Um, so it, it, it's I don't know if it by itself is is ma- massive news. I suspect they'll get bailed out, all that sort of stuff. But it, but it is interesting that there are sort of tectonic plates shifting, that there are these things that are, that are happening quietly elsewhere. Th- that it's happening in China means it will happen quietly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to sort of overstate over, uh, the, um, the impact. But look, China's biggest property group um, run out of cash. So their revenue is down like 20% and that they can't make their short-term uh, mm-hmm. obligations and, and the market's noticed. It's, so it's quite interesting. Yeah, it's something to something that we'll have to dig into a bit more. But that was a very interesting article that you've shared. I think we'll try and touch on it maybe next week or whenever we get a chance of that. 
Uh, property numbers, John. Yeah. Should we get into them? Do we do it? Yeah. Definitely. yeah. So for the month of September so far, Sydney is up, what, 0.5%? Yep. The week. Uh, yep. Melbourne, 0.3. Brisbane, 0.4. Adelaide, 0.4. Perth, we don't have the number. But five cities average 0.4 again. Yeah, it's, it's staggering. You know, look, I'm very Sydney-centric, but, if I, but it's just this pan. It's inflation, right? It's pan inflation. So, um, you know, the, the, it, what's driving this is low interest rates. Mm-hmm. But, and that's, you know, oh, wow, what a revelation, John. But the, the <laughs> number of, <laughs> the number of um, capital city properties listed for sale is down 18%. Compared to compared to a year ago, eighteen percent. So that so there was no stock a year ago, and we're twenty percent lower than that. Um, Sydney is down twenty eight percent. Brisbane is down twenty nine percent. Hobart, the m- number of listings is down thirty seven percent, and Canberra is about thirty percent. So the only place where the number of listings is up is uh, is Melbourne, up three percent, and um, you know. I mean, when there are fewer things to buy, the, the analogy is it's, it's like uh, when you throw a chip at the beach and all the seagulls swarm to it. I mean, there's, there's one chip and there's 20 seagulls. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, look, it's good if you're a property owner. It's uh, very challenging if you're a property buyer. Um, but uh, I think this is just an example of like lockdowns, low interest rates. It kind of skews... Um, the, the winners and the losers, the excuse the demand and supply of almost everything. We talked about lumber before, but mm. it's not just that, it's, it's everything. And um, uh, pro- property is such a good place to be when, when things go bad. Uh, mm-hmm. It's quite a, def- you know, w- property is a very defensive asset. It's a very defensive asset. The only thing that makes property um, a growth-related asset is the leverage. But when we're, we're, you know, sometimes it's good to zoom out. We're, we're just talking about accommodation and land, right? That's all we're talking about. So, um, very, very safe asset most of the time, and um, with a bit of leverage to, to make that complicated. So, yeah, good numbers. What, what, what's your take? On so, make it simple for me, John. I'm an average Joe <laughs> on the street thinking of buying a property right now. Let's say either in Melbourne or in Sydney, right? We have seen what 20% growth or 25%, whatever the number is, depending upon where you are in these two cities uh, over the last year or so. Should I buy the property or should I hold? What should I do while we are in the mid mid of this crazy run? Yeah, yeah. Look, as I said before, uh, you know, asking uh, me if um, it's time to buy a property is like asking the barber if you need a haircut. (laughs) So, uh, you know, the answer from me is always yes. Uh, Okay. Um, I still think it's got more to run, and the fact that it's performing this well in when half the country is in a lo- is is essentially you know you know locked in their homes is is quite staggering. We also heard from the the earlier articles that um, there's no rate increases until 2024, although we'll probably hear chatter about that before. So no in, no interest rate increases. Um, it's it's it, it's going to grow in my opinion moderately, but continued into the future. So I think that I don't think you should buy a property on the basis that you expect it to go up, but it's nice when it does. And and therefore my expectations is probably going to continue to go up for a couple more years. So great explanation, John, but on average, yes or no? 
Uh, I think the property will continue to go up. Yeah. So pretty much- you know what the the way the way to answer it is. Let's say let's say John and Jazz are wrong. Let's say this is the top of the market, and um, it's it, it, it's top of the market. This is terrible advice, and uh, it's it doesn't have a few more years to run. Uh, all that means is we're four years away from the beginning of the next cycle. So, or you're, ju- you're just early. You're just early. <laughs> or, or the other way to put it is basically property is never a short-term play. It's always a long-term yeah. play, right? So even if you're yeah. at the top of the cycle, it's irrelevant because another cycle is going to come in another for the five years, 10 years, doesn't matter. But you're not buying property to, to flip. Uh, mm. You're buying it to hold. Uh, otherwise, you're probably a developer or a renovator and that's not what we are discussing over here. It is still the right time to buy. I think it's going to be ultra bullish next year when things open up. If things go back yeah. to normal, normal after everyone is jabbed, I think we are about to see some crazy run up in wow. markets. Doesn't matter what market it is, it's 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 going to be all over the shop. Yeah. So anyone who's sitting in the sidelines, gear up. Uh, but <laughs> but do your own research. This is not a financial advice. We. Uh, just having fun, I think. A couple of punters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a couple of punters. And, and, and look, again, I, I would say if we're wrong and, it, and it's not going to boom, it just means we're early for the next one. So um, I think that's a, that's the right perspective. But Awesome. Yeah, I think, I think, I think you're probably right, though. Like, like there needs to be an event to interrupt it. There needs to be like a policy change. So unless you can th- think of what that policy change is and like, They've told us they're not raising interest rates. So, like, what would what would need to change? Well, mm-hmm. I, I can't see what the policy change so is. The lending has been eased overall in the last year or so. Interest rates have been lowered. Path to recovery is there. Uh, hopefully, we won't see a situation like Israel, where after everyone is jabbed, COVID comes back uh, in another variant. If as long as we don't see that situation. Bye bye bye. <laughs> what bye. what I can what I can see is that um, they can't they can't raise interest rates and they can't uh, stop buying government treasuries and debt. Right, we've we talked about that. So the the the, the RBA needs to be ever present in the market buying uh, debt and printing currency. But what they can do is APRA can come back into the market and re-regulate. So low interest rates but high regulation is what is probably coming at some stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that what that is again, it's uh, it's good for existing owners um, because you, you've got like low interest rates locked in for <laughs> forever. So you know you'd want to be on P and I for for that period of time. But um, but that could take some steam out of the market. Mm-hmm. Just to throw spanners in the work over here, and uh, this is just me thinking out loud. If supply chains were to be impacted because of the COVID, does that changes the strategy at all? Uh, real estate is a bit timeless in, in from that perspective. So it doesn't necessarily change your real estate perspective. Um, I mean, there are good and bad times to buy real estate, but generally speaking, it's, it's quite, quite timeless and predictable. Um, you know, in terms of supply chain, I, I think we need to be watching the, the crude oil price. You know, Overnight in the uh, in the U.S. stock markets, the, the the Dow Jones and the S&P 500 literally tracked the crude oil price up and down, 
minute by minute during the course of the day. Mm-hmm. Now, that's true over the intraday trading period, but it's also broadly speaking true over months, weeks, and years. So I think that if you, if, you know, I, I know I'm only kind of indirectly, indirectly answering your question, but, um, but I think one of the things that everyone here needs to have a perspective on is whether or not oil is going up or down. Uh, we talk about it as one of the three key kind of, you know, the 10-year treasury and the, the, the dollar and, the, and so on and, and the crude oil price. If, the oil, if you think oil is cheap, you should be buying assets because they tend to, like the, the Dow Jones tends to track the oil price. If you think the oil price is overvalued, you should be selling assets. Um, I think that's like, so in a sense, if you're listening to this, take a, take a position on the uh, crude oil price because mm. it's going to drive so many things. Mm. I, I think- personally think that the oil price is going to go to $200 in the next couple of years from about $70 where it is now. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good place to understand the macro landscape when when you start looking at oil. Uh, But from a real estate perspective, like you said, it's timeless, uh, irrelevant to some extent. Um, John, anything else that we want to cover? Commodities, anything special going on in the commodity space? Uh, No, just again, oil, most important one of the lot. Have a look at that. I still, you know, I've been. I still think that the gold and silver prices are just set to set to run, but I just haven't seen it yet. So, I've been sort of perennially positioned, but perennially disappointed. Um, yeah. Uh, so, c- commodity commodities have come back a lot. There was a lot of commodity inflation late last year, early this year. A lot of that stuff has come back in the industrial commodities. Mm-hmm. Um, it ties into supply chains and supply coming back on board and so on. So, um, you know, I think it'll be a good decade for commodities, but, you know, week to week, month to month, it's hard to say, but uh, commodities should be somewhere in your portfolio, I would, I would say. Mm, fair enough. Kind of agree on that. I think we'll see a run at some point, whether that's a year away or whether that will happen this year or maybe in three years, no one, no one knows, but at some point it will show the magic. <laughs> what about crypto, uh, Jazz? Um, crypto, I think, I think this month is going to be the month that will be the deciding factor, uh, in my opinion, whether the market is going to be in the uptrend or in the downtrend, right? So we're still ranging in the same price range, that 30 to 50K range. Uh, there was a 20% drop that we saw on Bitcoin. Yeah. It was uh, two or three days ago. Uh, but 20% drop in this market is... Uh, is what barely anything uh, we we see 50% 60% kind of crashes so 20% is means nothing uh, but i think this month will kind of decide whether overall the market is bullish or bearish in my opinion so space to watch over the next few weeks i'll say didn't the sec in the us the regulator come out and um, say that they wanted to uh they were looking at Coinbase's lending practices. And that, isn't that one of the reasons the market took a bit of a hit during the week? So you're bang on. That was the reason. That was one of the main reasons the market took a hit because um, Coinbase came out with their lending products. Uh, and uh, apparently, according to SEC, there is some issues around that space, whatever that, however, they take, however, however SEC, SEC tackles. But uh, this is not the first time the lending product has come out in that space. So it's just, this is Coinbase and Coinbase is the biggest in the game. So they're getting noticed, I think. 
uh, is the point. Uh, but what does that mean overall? I don't think that changes anything. I think um, the fact that they made Coinbase a public company <laughs> says it all. Um, yeah. yeah, these these things will happen. I think uh, it's a new industry. When there's a new industry, there's no regulation. You're trying to put some boundary around it. Uh, this one is a little bit tricky, obviously, uh, because crypto can be used as a as a flight to take money out of the country easily. So I think it's a little bit tricky space to manage. Uh, but it's a new industry, having said that. So uh, I think if we survived the China flood that happened at the start of this year, along with Elon Musk and all the other energy stuff, this is just a, just a piece of news to be read, nothing else. Uh, I think there's more news that will probably have a bigger impact on the market, which is around the ETF space that will get announced later in the year, whether that gets mm. approved or rejected or extended, whatever that happens, whatever whatever happens. But I think that's more important than SEC. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think the, the SEC, I think you're right. I think they're a bigger, because just to, like I think the El Salvador adoption is more, more important than that because um, adoption of Bitcoin, because once Bitcoin gets used, Bitcoins get created and, and so on. Mm. Um, but I would say that I think all crypto people should have one eye on the Ripple case, uh, the SEC versus Ripple case, whether uh, whether XRP is a, um, a coin or a, or a security. And I think the reason for that is if, if they if they if Ripple loses and if XRP is considered a security, I think they're going after Ethereum next. So j- just just ear to the ground on that sort of stuff. Have, have a have a mm-hmm. think about it. Yeah. And, and look, this is why we always say and have said many times on this podcast: uh, unless you're a big risk taker, define your risk profile. Mm. Once your risk profile is defined, you decide how much money you want to put into all of these different digital assets, right? So obviously the safer bet is always one person, but everyone's risk profile is very different. So, uh, and you don't know which ones are going to really perform in the future, which ones won't. Like at the moment, Ethereum seems to be doing well, whether tomorrow someone else, some other coin will come and take over Ethereum, uh, no one knows, right? So uh, it's, a, it's a space to watch, but overall I think positive developments, yeah, few legal issues and here and there, not a big deal. Part, part, yeah, of, part of the game. Yeah, <laughs> we see that in the property every day with APRA intervening. So exactly. <laughs> That's right. uh, but uh, John, anything else, or we'll start wrapping it up. Wrap it up, buddy. To the listeners, none of this is for, none of this is financial advice. Please do your own research. A lot of stuff we discuss over here is pure speculation, and us passing our own thoughts. Uh, Play safe, stay safe, and we will see you guys next Friday.